want you to think of tonight as me, preacher, you, audience. I want you to think of it as this is Dennis. I have a word of God for you. And you're just the church and we're having a conversation. I don't want to preach to you tonight. I just want to talk with you. Um, I believe it's a lot easier to kind of go through these moments in church when you feel like you're involved. So I'm going to let you know that you are involved. How do you play a part? Number one, you take notes. Number two, you shout me down. You talk to me, not because I need it, but it helps you engage and it helps me know that this is what you're about. So if I say something nice, you can say, oh, my God, amen. Oh, my God, that was so good. Yes, it was good for me, too. That's why I wrote it, and that's why I'm saying it, because it was awesome. So we'll be in a conversation tonight, and you won't feel bored or left out. Um, I'm going to read from the book of James, if you do have a Bible. Uh, James chapter 2, I mean, James chapter 4, verse 2 is where we'll start. I'm going to read it. We're going to pray and dive right into this. I believe God has an awesome word for you. Um, oh, my God, it's going to be so good. I'm so excited, right? Because I'm not preaching. God is just speaking through me. Um, so that's what this is all about. It's not me giving you my ideas. It's me reading the word of God inspired thousands of years ago, a letter given to you. So that's just what I'm going to read off, and then we're going to talk about it. That's pretty much it, right? James chapter 4, verse 2. You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. Oh, my God. It's one of those sermons. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. He's talking about me? Yeah. Check this out. This is the highlighted verse, and this is the most important part of all of this. Yet you don't want what you have because you don't ask God for it. And even when you do ask God, verse 3, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You only want what will give you pleasure. I'm going to keep reading just a little bit. You adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I'm going to say it again. Come on, James is rapping to us. He's saying it twice. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourselves an enemy of God. Do you think that the scriptures have no meaning? They say that God is passionate, that the spirit he placed inside of us should be faithful to him. And he gives grace generously. As the scripture says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God. And this is my favorite part. And God will come close to you. Come on, let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Everybody take a deep breath in. Hold it. I'll take a deep breath out. Oh, that's good. Let's do another one. Just one more. Take a deep breath in. Hold it. Take a deep breath out. Come on, Jesus, we love you. Man, right now, I want to forget about everything in my life, everything in my family, God, everything that I've went through today, God, everything in my school, everything at my job. I'm going to put it to the side because I know you want to speak to me. And if the God of the universe is actually giving me an opportunity to listen, I'm going to put everything in my way, God. I'm going to move it to the side so that I can be able to listen, God, tonight. We open our hearts not to what Dennis has to say, but what God is going to say tonight. God, we are reading from your word, so we know that you are speaking to us. We love you. Man, you're so, you're so good, God. You're so good. God, you are so good. Come on, say thank you to God tonight, God. You are just good. I, I can't say anything else. You are just good. I, I can't compare you to anything else. I, I can't relate with any other thing when it comes to you, God. You are just good. You are just plain 
good, God. No, no tomatoes, no lettuce, no ketchup. It's just plain good, God. Like you are just one of a kind, God. You you will just move in such a beautiful way, God. And the things you show me, God, nobody can recreate, God. And the things you tell me, God, no voice can say, God. Your love is so pure and sweet and so amazing and so majestic, God. I become addicted to it every time that I taste it, God. So tonight, I pray that every single person in this room may taste what your love tastes like. Come on, that we can get hooked on Jesus, not because it's a cool 90s term, but because it's the true way of life. We love you and we thank you so much. And everybody says, amen, amen, amen. I'm really hyper right now. Uh, a brother in our church, Gene, got me like some coffee before, so I'm like super excited to preach this. There's a misconception in the church. There's a misconception, a broken idea is, is basically what it means in the church, in Christianity. Um, and if you come from new birth, you probably don't think this or say this at all, um, but it's in a lot of us. Um, even if you do go to this church, it might be inside of you as well. And the misconception here is that Christianity is all about you. A lot of us, we live our lives and we say less of me, more of God, but in the fruits that you are showing, in the character that you have, in the way that you live, in the things you talk about, you make Christianity seem more about the Christian and less about the Christ that died for the Christian. Oh, okay, you guys are with me on this one. I like that. Cool. And maybe you're like, no, like, I, I, I go to this church and we're always preaching less of me. And, and, I, and I go to a really good church and we're always talking about how God is always first and, and how nothing is about me. It's all about God and, and it's less of me, more of you. And, and that's how we receive your presence. Um, but it can still be inside of you. I, I say this sometimes. I used to say it a lot. But there were points where I would go to church and I would say, man, I, I did not like the service today. It was not for me. It wasn't good. I just didn't like the service. The worship was not that good. Um, man, I just didn't like the way they were worshiping. What? I didn't like the way they were worshiping. What? I, the, the message, man, he was preaching, but it really wasn't for me. And, and then I'm going to ask you, okay, well, well, did you ever think to yourself that the worship wasn't really for you? The, the, the worship was, was for God. So when you're saying, I, I didn't really like the worship, well, it's beautiful that, that, that you didn't like it, I guess, because you're thinking about it as yourself. But once you realize that the worship is actually for God, you can say it's always beautiful because my God is always beautiful. I'm going to say this one more time. You see, there's so many times when, when, when we think that Christianity is about us. And it reflects us. So when we're bad, my Christian lifestyle is bad. When I'm bad, my prayer life is bad. Whenever I'm inconsistent with God, my spiritual worship life is inconsistent with God. But when I make my spiritual life about God, it reflects God. So if my God is consistent, my prayer life is consistent. If my God is good, my worship is always good. But we, we do it so easily when we make it about us. And there's a story in the Bible by a man. His name is David, right? So David, he's a king at the time. He's a really young king, and he's walking on the top of his castle, and he's like, yo, shout out Brooklyn, shout out Pennsylvania, shout out California. He's looking at all the land. He's looking at everybody. Man, this place looks clean. It looks good. We got to clean up over there, servants. Uh, fix up this place. This, this castle burned down, so we got to fix up that. But then as he's looking around, the Bible says that he sees a girl named Bathsheba. Uh-oh, come on, somebody. We're in a bad part of the story. Can anybody guess what Bathsheba was doing? She was taking a bath. Bathsheba was taking a bath. The Bible dare gave her a name after the action she was doing, but that's a whole other message that we'll preach one day. Come on. It was Bathsheba taking a bath. David sees a naked lady. Don't think about it too much. That's a sin. He's looking at a naked lady, right? And he's like, oh, my God, listen. 
my servants, Bathsheba is bad. Like, she is, oh, my, oh, my God. Like, you thought Rihanna was good? Look at Bathsheba. Come on, somebody. So go get me Bathsheba. They went to go get Bathsheba. Bathsheba goes with David, and David's like, girl, I'm a king. Look at my ring. Look at my bling, bling, bling. She's like, he's like serenading Bathsheba, right? So he's like, Bathsheba, like, look at all that I got. My name is David. What do you got? And Bathsheba's like, oh, I got a whole lot. And they're getting jiggy, and they do all this crazy stuff. But the thing is, oh, my God, Bathsheba has a husband. Oh, yeah. It's so much better when we do this, right? Bathsheba has a husband. Holy smack, right? Bathsheba, you got it bad. You was pregnant. Oh, no. Bathsheba tells David, David, I missed it. I'm pregnant. You know what we got to do now? He's like, yes, I'm going to make your husband sleep with you so it looked like he got you pregnant. But the thing is that at this time, the kingdom was at war with the Philistines. Check this out. So Uriah, Bathsheba's husband, is in war as well. David calls Uriah outside of war. He says, listen, bro, I know you're fighting really hard for the kingdom and you're serving everybody out there fighting. Go take the night with your wife and relax, sleep with her, enjoy your moment, and then we'll send you back. But then Uriah looks at David and he says, Mm-mm. I got brothers in war, my king. And they're fighting faithfully for you. And they don't get to sleep with their wives, so I can't accept that offer. I'm going to do exactly what my brothers are doing because we are faithful to you. And David's like, oh, my God, I just slept with your wife. And Uriah, the faithful service. So, so David tries two more times. David even gets Uriah drunk. And the drunk Uriah who's intoxicated, he says, no, as drunk as I am, I'm going to serve you faithfully. And David is like, oh, my God. What do I do now? So he sends Uriah to the front line, knowing Uriah is going to die. Uriah dies in battle for King David, who just took his girl David looks at Bathsheba, girl, are we good? Your husband's dead, and all these things are good. And then a prophet by the name of Nathan, God, the Bible says that God tells the prophet what David did. So Nathan comes up to David. He's like, hey, yo, king, what would you do if this man does something to this man in that particular way? And David's like, oh, my God, we have to kill him. He's a dirtbag. He's horrible. You need to execute him in front of everybody. And then Nathan looks at him like, I was talking about you. You did this with Bathsheba, Uriah, and David's like, oh, snap, right? So David looks at him, and he looks at God, and they're talking, and he's like, I was wrong. So David had, I mean, God had mercy over David. He says, listen, David, I'm not going to kill you, but then the Bible says that God sent a, a sickness to the baby that was born out of David and Bathsheba. And for seven days, the Bible says that David was laying on the ground. He was praying and fasting, and his servants would be like, King, you need to eat. You need to drink. It's unhealthy for you to be out here. And he says, No, leave me alone. Don't even enter the room. I'm here praying and fasting for my baby. And after seven days of intense prayer and fasting, the baby dies. The Bible says that as soon as the baby died, David stood up changed his clothes, washed his hands, worshiped God, and he went to go eat a meal like if nothing happened. And the servants go to David, David, what the heck? When your baby was alive, fighting for his life, you did nothing but cried and prayed. But now that that thing is gone, you're worshiping God and you're eating like nothing happened. And David replies to this, and I believe he got the whole point of Christianity in this moment. He says, yes, because when the baby was here, I was fighting for his life in prayer. But now that it's gone, I can't do anything. It's not about me. It's about God. 
And there's so many times that we base our worship off the thing that is in front of us. And we say, yes, if you're fighting through the bad parts, the worship is good. If you're fighting through the struggle. But the problem is when we make the worship about the thing we're fighting for, when worship is actually supposed to be for God. So David shows us that your worship is unconditional because it goes to God. Here's the thing about God. <laughs> and this is my first point for tonight. I'm going to lean on this because it makes me feel cool. Here's the thing about God, right? First point, God doesn't need you, but he wants you. God, God doesn't need you, but he wants you. Me thinking in my, in, in my human brain, let, let's, let's put God to the side. Me just thinking about my human brain and how it works. What can I offer God? Dennis, you can offer him your life, your tithes, your talents. But then I think to myself in my human brain, okay, yes, I can offer him my life, my tithes, my talents. But number one, he gave that to me. Number two, if I give it to him, it's not going to make him any better. So what, what, what am I really worth to God? Thinking about it in the way that we think about money, in the way that we think about the things that we have in this world. What, what value do I have to God? And, and frankly, it's, it's nothing. There, there is no physical, tangible value that you have for God except the value he gives you because he wants you. And, and, and the crazy thing about this, this is my second point, if you, if you want to write it down. God chases after what he wants more than we chase after what we need. See, I preached a message about two weeks ago um, in our Poinciana youth group. Ooh, shout out to Poinciana. I love them, right? Yes, 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 right? So I preached a message over there about your soul, the very thing that gives you life, emotions, breath, all that thing. And in Genesis chapter 2, it shows us that your soul came from the very breath of God because God, he grabbed the dust of the earth and he made man. And the Bible says that he breathed life into the man and it became a living being. So if my soul, the thing that makes me alive, a living being came from God, that means the home of my soul is literally God, which means I need God in order to live, breathe, eat, use the bathroom, whatever I got to do. I need God's breath to keep me alive. So God is something that I need, but it's crazy that God doesn't need us, but he wants us and he chases after what he wants more than we chase after what we need. My mom, I preach a lot about my mom. She scarred me for a very long time. My mom. Um, I'm going to stay up here because I'm short and I want you guys to see me. My mom, right? My mom again. I was in middle school and I loved video games. Like, Xbox was my thing. I wasn't in the PlayStation world yet. Now I am. God is good. But my Xbox, right? I was playing Xbox like every day. I would go to school, play Xbox. Before even going to school, I would wake up extra early just to play Xbox. It was a problem. God saved me. We're good now, right? So I was playing Xbox. I was addicted. High school came, it was like freshman year, 10th grade year, I got really involved in basketball, my friendships, like I was just hanging out, chilling everywhere, and I realized I didn't need my Xbox anymore. But because my mom was so accustomed to grounding me in middle school and taking away my Xbox, um, freshman year, sophomore year came up, and guess what, Dennis had bad grades again, go figure. And uh, she said, Dennis, I'm taking away your Xbox. And all middle school, I would cry, Mom, don't take away my Xbox. So high school came, Mom, don't take away my Xbox. But then I really thought to myself, I'm okay. I, I, I play basketball when I go home. Uh, I'm, I'm always with my friends. I haven't played my Xbox in like three months. I, I don't need it. And I was okay with her taking away my Xbox. So then she noticed that I was okay. And you know, Hispanic moms, ah, en serio, okay, pues vamos a ver. 
She says, dame tu teléfono, English, give me your phone, boy. So I give her my phone, and I'm crying, mom, no, my phone, my friends. And I'm like, wait, all my friends go to my school. I'm going to see them tomorrow. I'm just going to play basketball to keep me busy. I don't need my phone either. Ha <laughs> mom. But it was so easy for me to give up what I realized I didn't need. But, but, but the thing is that that's how I work, and that's how a lot of us work. When you don't need something and you realize it's okay for someone to take it away because you don't need it. But when it comes to God, what he doesn't need, which is you, if someone were to take you away, he would cry endlessly just to get you back. I'm going to move this, and I'm going to paint a picture for us today, not literally. So my second point is that God chases after what he wants more than we chase after what we need. So I'm here. Oh, my God, I want this. I want that. That's so good. God is over there. I, I, I need him. I'm going to give that a break because I got a long life to live. That's a lie. You don't have a long life to live, but we'll talk about that another day. Come on, I want this, and I want that, and I want that, and I'm tasting this. And then God is looking at me like, man, I don't need any of this. I created it. But, oh, my God, I, I want you so bad. Dang, you, did you know that when God created the heavens, the earth, all in the, in the book of Genesis, the Bible says that when he finished creating what he's finished creating, he said that it was good. But <laughs> when he finished creating man, he said, this is very good. You see, God put a little bit of emphasis on how good you are. Because when he created the sun, the moon, the stars, and all that stuff, he said, man, this is good. What I made was good. But when he made you, when he made the person sitting in that chair right now, he said, Oh, man, that's very, very good. So God is looking at us, and he's saying, wow, you are very, very good. And I don't need you, but there's something inside of me, and I created you. There's something here that I want you so bad. And you're here, and you're like, I want a little bit of this. Oh, my God, that looks good. I'm in a buffet of life. This looks really good. Oh, my God, look at that. Oh, my God, this is so shiny. I'm going to pick that up. And then God is over here, and he's like, I don't, I don't know what it is about you, but I, I want you so bad. And then we get to the point, this is the most important thing. If you don't catch this, you missed my whole sermon. Check this out. We're here. We're done with all of this. We grab it. It breaks. Whatever. Move on. Light. Everything breaks in life. We continue to move. And then you're like, yo, there's, there's something over there. And it's really, really shiny. <laughs> oh, man. I want that. But it's so far. Hey, God. Man, I was okay with all of this, but wow, that's really far, God. And he's here and he's saying, okay, listen, uh, son, daughter, um, man, I know you want it, but I'm really good too. And I, I know that's all good, but, but, but why don't you come home for once? I love you. And we're like, look at that, God. That is so shiny. Oh. Is that a brand new car? God, look at how good that, is, is that a girlfriend? God, look at how good that, is that a boyfriend? Oh my God, you know I've been waiting for a really long time. Is, is that my husband? God, you know I've been waiting for the one and I talked to you and God is saying, listen, you're the one and, and I'm still chasing after you. So after a long discussion of you and God on how beautiful that thing all the way over there looks, God is like, do you really want it? And you look at God and you're like, God, I really want it. If you watch Keenan and Kel, I do, I do, I do, ooh, I really want it. And then he's like, are you sure? Because I really love you and this could work. And you're like, yeah, God, but if you give me that, I'm going to be responsible with it. I promise. Okay. 
So God grabs it. And instead of giving it to you right away, this is, this is my whole sermon right here. And instead of giving it to you right away, what God does is he gets on one knee. And he looks at you right in the eye. And he says, listen, I know you've been wanting this for a long time. And, and I know it was too far for you to get. So listen, I'm, I'm bringing it to you. And I know you've really wanted this. And I know this is going to change everything about us. And this is going to make you look at me in a whole new way because I'm giving you something you don't deserve. But I've been wanting to do this thing for a really long time. And I want to be with you for eternity. And then you're over here like, oh, my God, oh, my God, no way, no way, no way. And God is like, yes, I'm here. And I'm ready to love you for the rest of our lives. And you're like, okay, okay. Yes, put it on, God. Put it on. Hurry up. Oh my God. Yes, 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 yes. And then God is here and he's he's putting the he's putting the, the gift of life and salvation and a new breed inside of you. And he slips it on your finger. And the first thing you do, yo, look what God just gave me. Look, oh my God, look what God just gave me. Bling, 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 bling. Look at how amazing my God is. Look at how good my God is. And as you're preaching about the goodness of your God, you never even came into perfect matrimony with him. And as you're talking about how good God has been at church and how amazing the services are and how good he's been impacting you during worship, you never took the time to actually get to know him. And and this is my fear for you. If you're a leader in the church, this is a really big fear for you. If you're a Christian living everyday life, this is a giant fear for you. And I fail in my job as as the speaker for God in some sorts. If I don't tell you, this is probably the most important thing I could ever say to any Christian or believer. Don't get caught up falling in love with the hand of God because it's what he does. Fall in love with the heart of God because it's who he is. In the book of Matthew, Jesus talks and he says, there are so many of you who will call on my name and say, Lord, we casted out demons in your name. We saved lives in your name. We healed people in your name. And then Jesus looks back on them and he says, and on that day, talking about the day when we go up to heaven, he's going to look at you and say, depart from me because I never knew you. I mean, yeah, you used my name and, and yeah, you showed off the thing I gave you, which was my son, but but frankly, um, excuse me, sir, I don't know who you are. And I would hate that my entire life I'm serving God and I'm doing what God wants and it's all great. But because I never got to know him, I go to heaven saying, God, man, I live my life for you. And he says, who are you? You, never, you, you were never in your room chasing after me. You, you, never, you never took the time to get to know me. And I, I gave you the ring and I gave you an opportunity and I gave you life. But, but where was our moment? Where was our first date? I felt like I just saw you on Instagram and you DM'd me. And I never actually got to get to know who you are. Christian, if you're listening to the sound of my voice, I believe God is speaking to our church today giving us a warning, or maybe even giving us the, pro- the answer to the problem that we've been facing. If you've been feeling empty, but you call yourself a Christian, if you accepted Jesus, but you kind of don't know what life is going to look like in the next couple of steps, maybe you just accepted the life of a Christian, but you didn't really accept the God that died for the Christian, and that's a serious, scary problem, because you can go your whole life thinking you're doing everything right, 
you've gone nowhere. And I don't mean to scare you, but I want to tell you that, that God is still chasing after you. And he wants to get to know you, sometimes more than we want to get to know him. You see, my last point, and I'm going to close with this. Christianity is all about God, but it's for you. Man, this whole thing called the Christian walk and the Christian lifestyle, it's all about God. But it's for you. You see, when you put Jesus back on his spot, when you put Jesus back in first place, he doesn't really get better. Because we have nothing we can offer him. But we keep him in the same spot and we glorify him. He doesn't grow, but I do. And my experience is good, but God still remains great throughout anything you do. It doesn't matter how much you exalt him. He's going to be as big as he can get because he lives in eternity. He doesn't live in time or matter. So God will always be the biggest thing possible no matter what you give him. But I'm letting you know that when you do put him first and you place God back where he belongs, come on, the blessing is actually for you. But Dennis, you're just telling me all these cute things and, and where's the Bible? Here you go. Jeremiah 29, 11. And this is kind of like, after John 3, 16, this is like another Christian anthem. Like, everybody knows this one, right? For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. These are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. And we love to look at this part because it's so much good. And it's the hand of God. And it's everything God is going to do in your life. I'm going to step on this today. What's up? And we love, we, we love this. Listen to me, listen to me. We love this because this is the hand of God. This is what he's doing in your life. But, but the real root of Christianity is actually in the beginning of this. For I know the plans that I have for you. Come on. It's all about God. Christianity is all about serving God because he knows and he has. Christianity is all about looking at God first. But it's actually for you. <laughs> You're good. You're really good. This whole thing is all about God. It's never been about you, but it's always been for you. Man, Jesus died for you. Jesus died for you. Yes, Jesus died for the entire world, but he also died for you. Yes, Jesus died for every single person in this room, all these beautiful souls, but he also died for you. And when you personalize Christianity, because we do have a personal God, it's so much better. So, man, what do we do with this information? Come on, James 4, 6 through 8. This is the same chapter. And he gives grace graciously and generously. As the scripture says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you and come close to God. If there's three things we should be doing, put those last points up. If there's, if there's three things that we should be doing every single morning is humbling yourselves before the presence of God. Resisting everything, every distraction, every sense of laziness that the devil decides to throw at you. And draw close to God, people. Come on, if I draw close to God in the morning and he draws close to me in the morning, guess what I have all day long? It's God. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 3 through 5. Come on, if a farmer 
stares at the clouds, he will never receive the harvest. In the same way, you can't understand the way that a baby is born in a mother's womb. You cannot understand the mysteries of God. And then it says this, the most important part for me, this has been my anthem for 2018, and I think it should be yours. So plant your seed in the morning and stay busy all day long because you don't know where your blessing would come from. You see, the answer to getting to know God is in Ecclesiastes 11. Spend every morning with him. Man, you want to get married so bad so you can wake up to the love of your life? You can wake up to the love of your life right now, and his name is Jesus Christ. He loves you. I know I've been serious this whole time, but I'm, yo, he loves you. Come on, if you listen to my voice, this is for you. He loves you. That's it. But, 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 no, no buts. But what if, no, no, no ifs. But maybe sometimes, no, 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 sometimes he loves you. Sometimes as a Christian, we need to learn how to shut up. Oh, man. Sometimes the hardest part about Christianity is actually receiving what Christianity is all about. Man, silence your heart right now. Come on, bow your heads and close your eyes all over this room. Come on, if there's somebody in this room that maybe you heard something and you were like, dang, preacher boy, whatever your name is, that made sense. Or maybe I spoke something and you were like, wow, that, that seems to be true. And, and I, maybe I've never studied the Bible. Maybe I've never talked about Jesus or God. But what you're saying makes sense. And, and I have this feeling of peace inside of me when you speak about the things you're speaking about. And, and, and man, there's just something about what you said that it just seems so perfect for my life right now. Come on, that's not me doing anything. That's God chasing after you. Come on, there is a call tonight. And it's anybody who has not put God first. Maybe you've accepted Jesus, but you never took the time to get to know Jesus. This is your moment right here at the count of three. All you have to do is raise your hand. It's that simple. This is so much easier than you've ever thought it could be. But here's the thing, God came to you first. So at the count of three, man, if you want to live this life of actually knowing the creator of the universe and not saying, man, how good he is, actually knowing who you're talking about, actually knowing who you're serving, come on, right now is your time. At the count of three, just raise your hand. One, two, God is for you. Three, all over this room, come on. If you've been a Christian before, I don't care. Maybe you don't know who God is. Come on, I see one hand. I see two hands. I see a third hand there. I see a fourth hand. Come on, God is working all over this room, and he's chasing after you right now so good for those four that just raised your hands I'm gonna let you know where you were going you were on your way to hell but man there was so much love over you right now at this moment that God literally grabbed you before you hit the gates of hell he turned you around he said this is the right way my son this is the right way my daughter this is where I want to take you for the rest of eternity you and me ain't nothing coming between us can nothing come before me and the love of God Come on, hold the hand of the person next to you. We're going to say a prayer, then we're going to sing one more time. How good my God is. How good your God is. Come on, we're going to pray with the people that just accepted Jesus Christ. Then we're going to worship one last time. Everybody on your feet, come on. We're about to step into this next session, and God is going to bless you. Come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. Come on, we're ready for this. Come on, everybody repeat after me. Say, Jesus, come on, we love you, God. Thank you for your son. Come on, Jesus died for me so I'm gonna live for him come on Jesus is Lord over my life so I'm gonna be his servant and friend forever come on we love you God and we say all this in your name amen come on let's worship let's worship let's worship